Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys. Uh, glad you could join us as we uh, celebrate Easter. It's been fun so far, hasn't it? I, I think it's been fun. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard about this incident that happened uh, happened up north. There were some guys who decided they would go fishing in the wintertime. So they uh, jumped in their SUV. guy was driving a nice uh, Lincoln Navigator. So they uh, drive up to the lake. And uh, they park the SUV right there along the edge of the lake. And because it's frozen over, they think, eh, we're not going to venture out onto the ice today. So they brought along a stick of dynamite, thinking they'd light that thing, throw it out there, and break open the ice. Well, they light their uh, piece of dynamite with a long fuse and throw it out on the lake as far as they can. Their dog is with them. He thinks, unfortunately, that they have thrown a stick, runs out onto the ice very quickly, retrieves it, and uh, heads back. Now... Unfortunately, the guys start hollering at it. He becomes afraid, so the dog runs underneath the SUV. Fortunately, he burns himself on the muffler and comes running out from underneath the SUV. Unfortunately, he dropped the stick of dynamite on his way out. It exploded, and now that SUV is just a pile of junk. Can you believe that? I mean, it could happen, right? It's possible. It's not true. didn't happen. After Jesus' death, there were a group of people who heard a story that was really, really difficult for them to believe because it seemed absolutely impossible. But they were about to discover that the story that Jesus was alive was actually true. Completely true. You see, Mary and another woman had gone early to the morning to the tomb. A tomb where with their own eyes they had seen Jesus' very dead body placed just a couple of days ago. An angel greeted them on this morning and the angel said to them, He's not here. He's risen. To which I am sure they responded at least in their minds, What? What are you talking about? That's not believable. They, they run back to Jesus' closest circle of friends and they begin to tell their story. And here's what the Bible says that their friends thought. The Bible says they didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. I bet they did. But what they were about to discover is that the story was true. Why should they think that Jesus' story would be any different than theirs? After all, isn't the same story true for all of us? We exist and then we die. Why would Jesus' story be any different? Well, there is a story that follows us that I want to look at this morning. It happens on a path leading to a small city called Emmaus. And I think this morning, no matter where you may find yourself in life today, I think you will find yourself somewhere in this story. Listen to what happens. If you brought your Bible, if you want to open it to Luke chapter 24, we're going to read a good bit of this story today, but the words are also going to come up behind me on the screen. Listen to what happens. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, the same day that the women had been to the tomb, that same day two of them, two different people, were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And the language that's used there, kind of the idea that it was more than just a a talk, more than a discussion, They they were sort of debating everything that they had experienced. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them. 
but they were kept from recognizing Him. Now, I don't know this morning whether God kept them from recognizing Him or their own state of mind kept them from recognizing. But I like what happens next. Jesus asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Jesus' question, what are you talking about, literally stops them in their tracks. And then here's what happens. Verse 18. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, man, where have you been? What things, Jesus asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Listen to what it says next. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Translated, we're not really convinced that he's alive. You see, after all, to them this was a story about death. That's the only thing they could conceive, that it was a story about death. Now they may have found themselves on a path that leads to a little city called Emmaus, But they were really on quite a different path too. In fact, I think a lot of us at some time in our lives find ourselves on this same path. I think they found themselves on the path of lost hope. You see, Jesus to them was supposed to be some kind of political leader who would fix all of their domestic problems and set them free from the rule of Rome. But now Jesus had died and they feel like they have lost hope. Maybe today you find yourself on the path of lost hope. Maybe you have hoped that you would live the American dream, but now you have lost your job, or you've lost your home, or maybe you've lost both. And if you're really honest today, you are wondering, where is God in all of this mess? I think these guys also found themselves on the path of regrets. They had some regrets. And maybe this morning you're on the path of regrets. You regret the day that you lost your temper. You regret the years that you lost your priorities. You regret the hour that you lost your innocence. I think these guys found themselves on the path of disappointment. And maybe you have walked the path of disappointment. Maybe you're disappointed that your spouse didn't turn out to be the perfect person that you thought you were marrying. Maybe you are disappointed in the way the stock market has gone recently or the performance of your 401k. Maybe you're disappointed in the church and somebody literally had to beg and plead and almost drag you here today because somewhere along the way you were disappointed by something that happened in the church. I think these two people found themselves this day on the path of an uncertain future. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. 
Not sure about the future. Where should I go to college? Should we get married? What if I lose my job? Maybe we should move back up north with family. These two guys in the Bible were on the wrong path. And if we're really honest today, maybe some of us find ourselves on the wrong path. Listen to what happens next in verse 25. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, the Old Testament, He explained to them what was said in all of the Scriptures concerning Himself. Did you catch that? How slow they were to believe. How slow they were to believe that Jesus could be alive. And maybe that could be said of us at times. How slow we are to believe in the power of the resurrection in our lives. And even though we hear somebody talk about it every year, a lot of us struggle to truly believe the power that the resurrection could have for our lives. You see, the power of the resurrection can put us on the path of forgiveness. God says, I want to accept you. I want to acquit you. I want to declare you not guilty of all of your sins if you'll just simply place your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of all of the wrong that you've ever done. That's the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection also can put us on the path to restored hope. Now that doesn't mean that all of our struggles will suddenly disappear. That all of the messes that we find in life all around us will suddenly be gone. God never promised that. But it does mean that I can have a hope in something that is greater than just existing here on earth and then dying. I can have a hope in something that is greater. The power of the resurrection opens the door to heaven for every one of us. Listen to what happens then in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if He were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, do you notice that Jesus was going to just keep going? He waited for an invitation. He wasn't going to force his way into their house. Jesus would love to be part of every one of our lives. But he will never force his way in. He waits for us to offer him the invitation. Never. Does He come barging through? He says, I want to be part of your life. You just invite me in. And here's what happens the rest of the story beginning in verse 30. When He was at the table with them, He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Just a common meal they were sharing together. Then their eyes were opened. And I don't know exactly what causes their eyes to be opened, but they recognized Him. And He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They realized we have been in the presence of Jesus all of this time. Our hearts knew it. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. 
suddenly they realize it becomes so apparent to them. This is not a story about death. This is a story about life. Jesus is alive. And you know what that means? He wants us to be alive as well. Now, I want you to notice this. To get to that point, these two men had to set aside their faulty expectations of Jesus. And once they set aside those faulty expectations of Jesus, suddenly they could see that He was alive. And I wonder for us, Do some of us have some faulty expectations of Jesus that have kept us at arm's length from Him? Maybe you've had some faulty expectations about God. Maybe some faulty expectations about the church. If you want to experience life that Jesus has for us, it means setting aside those faulty expectations. Jesus is alive and He wants us to be fully alive. In fact, here's what Jesus said in His own words in John 10. Jesus said one day, I have come that they may have... What's that word? I say it again. Life. And have it to the full. The word life there is the idea of full of vitality. It's an abundance. Jesus says, I have come to give you a full life. An abundant life. A life of vitality. I want you to have a life of passion and purpose. I want you to be fully alive. My wife and I love to travel to uh, Boston. If you're around here much, you've probably heard me uh, tell stories about Boston before. It's one of our favorite cities, and we've been there several times. One of the things that we like to do when we go to the city is to roam around sometimes in the graveyards and to read the tombstones. It's really interesting. Some of them that I've been in uh, places date back to the early 1700s. And if you read those tombstones, now you don't learn a lot about the person. You you learn the year they were born and the year they died. And maybe somebody has written a a little saying about them. But I've often wondered, what happened in between? You know, there's a little symbol on that tombstone that represents the rest of their life. And I've often wondered, what happened in the rest of their life? What were they passionate about? What did they do with their life? Who were their friends? What did they love to do? That's all represented right there in that little dash. Do you realize in our lives, we don't get to pick the year that we're born. And we don't get to pick the year that we die. We don't get to pick who our parents are. We don't get to decide um, where we are born. But everything that's represented in our lives by that little dash, we get to decide. We get to decide what we'll be passionate about. We get to decide what we'll invest our lives in. We get to decide what relationships we'll have. And that's all represented by the dash. So how do you live the dash with no regrets? How do you live the dash mark with passion and purpose? Let me ask you this. If somebody were to come to you this afternoon and tell you, you've got just one month to live, what would you do? I mean, once you get past some of the silly things maybe that we do, what would you do? What relationships would you invest in? What would you spend your time doing? Where would you make an investment of your finances? What would you do with your life if you knew you only had 30 days to live? Suddenly we would live with passion and with purpose, wouldn't we probably? Let me ask you, why would we wait to find out we only have a month to live, to live that kind of passionate, purposeful life? Over the next few weeks here at Crosspoint, we're going to explore what does it mean to live a no-regrets life? 
How can I live with passion and purpose and vitality right now? Jesus modeled it for us. Jesus modeled how to live passionately. He modeled how to love completely. He modeled how to learn humbly. He modeled how to leave boldly. The power of the resurrection, the story of the resurrection, is about life. The life that Jesus wants us to have. It's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus has covered my sins that this dead man, this one right here, is alive. It's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. All because of the resurrection. So here's my question today. Here's kind of the bottom line. All of us, if we want to be fully alive, We need Jesus. And so the question is, do you have Jesus in your life? Have you ever invited Him in? Have you ever said to Him, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you lead my life. Because it's in that relationship with Jesus that life is found and the power of the resurrection is discovered. So the question is for all of us today, do you have Jesus? If not, you're missing out on experiencing the power of the resurrection. And if you do, then like me, you know. That's what makes us fully alive. Let's pray together. God, I thank You this morning for the power of the resurrection. I thank You, God, that this is not a story about death. It is a story about life. And God, I thank You personally today And my story is no longer a story of just existing and then dying. But God, because I walk with Jesus, because I have trusted Him with my life, mine is a story about life. God, I pray today for every person in this room. And Father, I pray especially for those who have never trusted Jesus, never invited Him into their life. And I pray, God, even today, they would decide that they need Jesus they would discover in their lives the power of the resurrection and that theirs can be not just a story of existing and death, but a story of life. Thank You for that life. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.